Welcome to the Free Oakley Podcast. This is your host, Billy Johnson. All right, it is Wednesday night, March 15th. Joining me for his second consecutive week and his sixth now overall appearance, Russ Wilk. My friends, welcome back. It's March, so it's Russ Wilk time. Welcome back, man. Thanks, Bill. It's 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 March Madness Eve. You know, the you get to open the presents tomorrow. We got a, a full slate of games. Um, but but I will say, as a, as a Georgetown alum coming on this podcast, uh, this might be the last time you have me on, depending on where Ed Cooley's coaching. So um, if this is our last podcast where I'm welcome, uh, we'll make sure to make it a good one. Oh, my God. Well, <laughs> all right, let, let's start there, right? That's the elephant in the room. We'll go – we'll have you back, obviously, throughout the NCAA tournament as far as Providence goes. But I don't know how far this is going to go. And this – all comes down to Ed Cooley and what is he doing? What is he doing with with the school? What is he doing with Providence? And we need to talk about this because it's a problem. The As we kind of documented in the Big East tournament preview pod, that Providence had lost three out of four heading into the Big East tournament, and they were laying an absolute dud against UConn in the first first half in the beginning of the second half. They were down 26 at one point. They come back and make it respectable five, which showed like thank God they had some pulse over the last week. But it was a it was a they lose four out of five to go out here. And not only does the smoke it's it's getting even smokier, there's some real legs to this rumor that Ed is leaving for Georgetown. And I think we might even be beyond rumor status at this point. This feels like it's happening. So let me kind of – let's kind of recap this because Ed has derailed this season. Like we talked about in this last pod, I, I, we were so high in this team a couple – a month ago, we were ranked 17th in the country, right? Now we're an 11 seed completely skidding out of out of relevancy. And it sounds like, by all intents and purposes, the coach is leaving. So let's break it down because last time we spoke, there was some there was some rumors. We were talking about Ed. We actually said it didn't seem like a it was like a logical move. We we said if anything, maybe it's Ed flirting. Um, but I think there was a real telling situation after the selection Sunday where they actually interviewed Cooley and the reporters. This is like. NBC in Providence, they interview Ed after the selection show and they wind up, they know that they're going to go play Kentucky in, in North Carolina. And he's asked straight up, he's like, are, are you want to put these rumors to rest? And he's like, what rumors? And they're like the Georgetown rumors. And he's like, well, you know, I'm the coach of Providence college. A lot of our guys are sought after our whole coaching staff. You know, this is part of the game. This is, you know, part of the business. Um, but you know, I'm the coach of Providence and we've, and we've got to get ready for Kentucky. So there's only two real possible outcomes of this, right? He is doing this dance in, in front of the media because he's like, he's not denying it. So he's either trying to squeeze the school for a raise, right. Or, or using his leverage. He's trying to squeeze my boy, Steve Napolillo, the, the, first year AD, which would be a disaster for, for Nap, let's be honest. If in his first year as AD, he loses Ed Cooley amidst the season where they were ranked 17 at one point. So Ed, is is he lobbying for a raise at this point? Well, if he is, he just did this in 2019 
when he flirted with Michigan and was rumored to look at be looked at for the Michigan job. So we already we already just gave him a raise in 2019, and here we are in 2013. It's not like Ed isn't getting the respect from a salary perspective. He's paid as a top 20 guy in America right now. Knapp led the negotiations to get him up to almost four, which is where he is. So is he squeezing us again? And if he is, it, it's coming at a time where there's – it's real deal distractions. Like we've lost four out of five and things are going south. The team is, is clearly distracted. Now the alternative, the, the second option is that he's leaving and this is real. And he just can't say that he's, he's walking out the door. So maybe he is leaving. And if he is, no matter what, this kind of, I think paints the picture of where this slide came from. When, when we talked about, I was telling you, right, that, that St. John's game was the first kind of wake-up call. It's like, oh, no, something is wrong here. The game before that, they played in Georgetown, right, or they played Georgetown. So there was exposure there. And then all of a sudden, they go on this on this crazy slide. And, and I think it if you're Hopkins, if you're Carter, they're two marquee young guys that just transferred from powerhouse programs. Hopkins came from Kentucky. Devin Carter came from South Carolina. Uh, these guys have to be looking at what their next move is. If they just transferred into Providence to play with Ed, and now Ed is walking out the door, these guys might actually be looking at what, what their next move is. So, Russ, I am heated. I am I am bothered by this whole situation. Last year, I went to Buffalo to follow this team. I went to four games on the first night. It was something any college basketball fan should do because it was absolutely incredible. It was awesome. I My father lives three hours from this game and I can't bring myself to go because of the lack of commitment to Providence College that Ed Cooley is showing I'm not in a good place and I, that is my rant and I will stop for now so look it, it I get it right so and trust me as a Georgetown fan I'm happy to give the Georgetown angle of this because it's a little conflicted right so let, let's go with what's been reported right so um John Fanta who is by all accounts the biggest Big East insider is literally out there saying he knows who Georgetown is going to hire. It's a done deal and it's been in the works for weeks, right? So if you want to try and read the tea leaves on who that could possibly be, where John Fanta's got the inside information within the Big East to know it's a done deal, it's pretty hard to draw a conclusion that it's anyone other than Ed Cooley, right? There are multiple reports that Georgetown has no interest in Rick Pitino, as a Georgetown fan, I disagree with that wholeheartedly. Mm -hmm. um, it sets up Patino to go to St. John's, but we'll, we'll ignore the fact, we'll ignore the whys on why Georgetown is telling themselves that they're too pristine to sully themselves by getting associated with Rick Patino, who the NCAA just cleared, notwithstanding the fact that Georgetown last offseason hired LSU's top assistant after Will Wade gets, you know, fired for all of his misdeeds. But sure, Georgetown couldn't possibly be associated with Rick Pitino, we'll put that on the side. We had said Ed Cooley was the other name and you, you mentioned it, but so Providence had won a couple of, had lost a couple of games. They beat Georgetown by 20 in DC and you guys haven't won a game since, right? right? So did something happen that weekend? I will say every other major national media guy has basically said it, right? Whether it's Jeff Goodman, Seth Davis, you name it, they're all picking up this smoke. So it, it's hard to buy it as, as just a rumor. Um, the why, again, look, Georgetown is prepared to 
offer more, right? So again, it, I still feel like as a Georgetown fan, I'm Charlie Brown about to go kick the football and yeah. like it's about to get pulled, right? Like, because again, it just to me didn't seem realistic for him to leave and stay within the conference, right? Think about how rare that is. I can't, I tried to look back through history. I am not aware of a coach moving within the Big East, right? So there's a few other examples. Chris Beard, two years ago, left Texas Tech to go to Texas. That mm-hmm. was within the Big 12. You can go back to Tubby Smith, um, I believe, uh, going to Kentucky. Kentucky. Um, that was that was um, in conference, I believe, if I've got that one right. So there's a few examples of this, but it's not a common thing. The other thing I'll – and look, is, is Ed Cooley the best possible hire for Georgetown? It, it's tough to say, right? Like, so you're talking about – you mentioned he's at four – so what does Georgetown have to go to 5 million plus to get Ed Cooley? If yeah. Georgetown has money to pay a coach, a top 10 salary in the nation, is that Ed Cooley for the results? And again, I appreciate the Providence job is difficult. Are those the, is that the right salary for, for those results? I, I think the counter to that would be if he was able to produce those results in Providence, where again, there's not some sort of recruiting hotbed. It might be, you know, we can talk about NIL. I know you wanted to talk about NIL and there's, yeah talk of Georgetown having a stronger NIL program and maybe that's part of the allure for for Cooley so from a Georgetown fan you're a little conflicted where it's like look I guess it's not my money but are we really saying Ed Cooley's a top 10 coach in the country Uh, and that's what Georgetown would have to pay him and again you're still looking at a a complete rebuild like every Georgetown player is in the transfer portal right now like you're going to be talking about starting from scratch Um, though the last thing I'll say and it's a little conflicted like the big East Catholic schools that all stuck together during the, the, the conference realignment, like it did kind of feel like we were all in it together. Like obviously when we play each other, we want to, we want to beat each other, but like to, to draw blood against one of the other teams that really we all banded together to save big East basketball and just to have big East on big East violence within the conference. (laughs) um, It's a little conflicting, I, I don't understand why Val Ackerman's not stepping in. The the Big East commissioner is this conference had its rocky reshaping, right? Like it was headed in the wrong way, with, and they avoided the American Athletic, which is where UConn ended up originally. And you had like the SMUs and the Memphis and that whole weird thing. You're right, and like I'm glad you brought it up because there were seven schools that kind of stuck together and like, hey, let's do this in the best interests of our league. It's like one of one of them just went behind the other one's back and just stole their is about to steal their coach away. Like I don't understand why why Val wouldn't wouldn't step in and and look to do something about it. Yeah, I mean, look, it's 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 Georgetown looking in their own self interest, right? Again, to suggest that there's no other coach that could do this is a little naive, right? Like there's plenty of coaches who could turn Georgetown around, especially if you have a five million dollar budget. I have no doubt that Ed Cooley would immediately bring Georgetown back to respectability. Right. Should yeah. I be paying five million a year for a coach that I'm, I'm not necessarily sure is getting a team over the hump to the final four? I guess Georgetown doesn't have that luxury of being nitpicky right now. If an, uh, you know, a top notch culture guy who has a reasonably high floor is willing to come to your program, um, beggars cannot be choosers. And Georgetown is definitely a beggar right now um, on the state of the program. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's definitely going to lead to some hostile meetings right like you know georgetown and providence will probably become the rivalry in the big east um if ed cooley makes this jump um so again i i, ho- I hope you'll still have me on but i think there's going to be yeah. um there's going to be wars um if this actually goes down 
I think it's interesting to see. I'm I'm curious to see how the Providence locals take this because Ed is a Providence local. We, like we said last last week, but you know, someone like me and, and a lot of the Providence fans, like you're either like Boston or New York diehards. Someone like me, I'm a, I'm a killer when it comes to like calling calling a coach out or like you know my teams have been the Jets, Mets, Islanders, Knicks. Like the New York media circle is like is pretty critical. So I, I think of myself as a pretty critical sports fan knowing local people from Rhode Island, they don't look at Providence College like with that eye of scrutiny in a negative way. Obviously they can be frustrated if the team's not doing well, but like like are people gonna boo the shit out of Cooley at, at the dunk? I, I would my that's where my heart would be. Like yeah. <laughs> like this is I don't know up, I, I, I don't let's just I don't I don't think he's getting a standing like again, play it out. He goes to Georgetown. They're gonna probably schedule them for December 31st, like the first big East game. I don't think he's getting a, a standing ovation. Let's put it that way. And it's funny, like so. So Georgetown's going to pay five million for a guy who has one Sweet Sixteen appearance in twelve years as a, as a head coach. Like, come on, this whole thing is just overblown, man. And and the fact that he's just derailed an awesome season is is I think was is is what the worst part about this is. And it's funny you mentioned Patino, right? You know, Patino has Big East roots. He came through Providence that was his first you know put Patino on the map so you have like Patino potentially mentioned for Georgetown for St. John's a buddy of mine I texted you this earlier lives up up upstate ish I guess you know I we're Long Islanders by heart right we call everything north of the city upstate but uh Mark Marlotta shout out to Mark runs into Rick Patino today in town and asks Rick about the about what the Cooley deal is and he's like uh yeah Cooley's gone so this is Rick saying that Cooley's gone, and Mark's like, well, why? And his – Patino's angle here is that Ed's from Providence. He's got too many connections, family, relatives, friends. Everyone's just up his ass all the time. So I thought that was kind of funny. Like how much of this – like we just talked last week about is Rick planting seeds like the post guy – you know, calling for, for Anderson's head is Rick just around town in the biggest community, just like spreading lies about, <laughs> about yeah, so like what, I, what I will say is like, look again, every national media guy's got the Cooley thing. So I'm, I'm not going to attribute that to, to Rick Patino. He's obviously got an angle here, right? He's, <laughs> yeah. he, he is not going to be the coach at Iona next year. Like yeah. he is not going to be the coach at Iona and he wants to have as many options as possible. Um, Look, I think something can be said for Cooley being at Providence for 13 years and kind of asking him, do I want to coach here for 40 years, right? Like, yeah. And so if not now, when do I make a jump to go somewhere else? Again, I just – I would not have expected it to be in conference. Um, again, we talked last week about the relationship between John Thompson Jr. and Ed Cooley. So – and Ed Cooley definitely has a strong affinity for – the Thompson family. He was invited to the groundbreaking of the Thompson Athletic Center. Oh, um, you know, again, look, there, there are, look, let's put it this way. In a world where Ed Cooley takes the Georgetown job, his press conference is going to talk about John Thompson Jr. and the Georgetown brand and what it means for the, you know, what this program means to college basketball um, and that he wants to revive it. I mean, you, you can kind of see that press, that angle that still feels like a lot to go in conference, but look, that is going to be the angle that's played here. Um, and he's going to have, again, with that budget, he's going to have a lot of expectations um, and he's not mm-hmm. going to have the built up sympathy from being the hometown kid. Georgetown fans are right. going to, 
be all over him to be like, we're not paying you to make the tournament. We're paying you to get to the second weekend. Especially um, five, five bucks a clip, right? That's what I'm saying, right? Like, so again, like I take, as a Georgetown fan, I take solace in the fact that the Ewing contract blunder did not, de- does, does not sound like it is going to deter them from investing in the program. Um, but it's certainly going to be drama. Um, and again, I, even as a Georgetown fan, I can, I, I sympathize with what feels like a derailed season. Um, again, I, I, I'm, I'm hopeful. Again, I, I pull for the Big East teams that are in the NCAA tournament. I'm hopeful that Providence um, can kind of right the ship and, and pull it out against um, Kentucky, um, an easy team to root against. Um, so certainly we'll be rooting for Providence, but there's no denying that something switched in the dynamic. And it just wouldn't surprise any of us if the team knew about these rumors well before they became yeah. public and it just sidetracked everyone. The math makes sense, right? If you think about when these yeah. rumors came up and the guys that are best players who are also the guys that just transferred in all of a sudden also seems distracted. Um, I, so Nap's in a tough spot. So our AD, you're going to lose Cooley in year one. Okay. And, you know, how do you pivot from there? I mean, if, if Patino did an interview a couple years ago when he was in exile – Post the whole Louisville thing because he went to Greece to coach and he did an interview with like CBS or someone like that. And he said he, he would love to come back to Providence. He said he like, you know, he was like his first big, big job and he loves the community. He's got his son, Rick, Rick, uh, Richard went to Providence and he's got a lot of ties there also. I mean, if you, it, this is, I think would, would ease the the break a little bit. I think if a guy like Rick Pitino came back, that would be a nice story. And and this is a real shot for Rick to get to maybe Rick's what you need to get to that next level, which Providence has been always like competitive, making the tournament, one 16, sweet 16 appearance in Ed, Ed's tenure. Maybe Rick is what you need to kick it to that next level. So I wouldn't be, I wouldn't feel bad about that. I'd be, I'd actually be excited about something like that and turning the page and having a guy like Rick come back Granted, he's 71. Who knows what he has left in the tank? I, he, he wants one more tour. So we'll see. I'll, I'll throw one more name at you, Russ, because um, I think I, I've always – and I've said it on this podcast if you go back to last year. Uh, God, Sham God. Now that is a guy I think w- would be a very interesting person to look at. Sham God, PC icon, played in – in the early in the mid nineties, he was on the 97 team that went to the elite eight. So you're talking about the last real success Providence had sham. God was our starting point guard. McDonald's all American, New York city kid played at LaSalle high school, NBA coach coaching staff of the Dallas Mavericks right now, after a long, you know, playing career, cup of coffee with the wizards after he left Providence, but then played internationally, he played in China, still culturally relevant. The dude is, you know, on social media, He's boys with the likes of the guys on the team. Obviously, it's Lucas, Kyrie. There's pictures of him with Jay Z. He was he knew Kobe. He's got pictures from back in the day of him and Biggie. Like Sham God, people know him. Somehow he's still culturally relevant in the community. He has a shoe. We've talked about the Sham God shoes. It's, you know, like this is great for the NIL. Like the, so, 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 so here's what I'll say about that, and then we we should probably get to the bracket. But um, all I will say, uh, beware the former legend player who has NBA experience with no college coaching experience (laughs) might be a little too soon for Georgetown fans to uh, make that recommendation for you. Uh, A few too many parallels there for me to feel comfortable recommending that for you guys, because running a college program is just something completely different. Right. And Ewing 
had 13 years of MBA assistant experience, um, and it did not serve him well. Um, and again, having to deal with firing a legend, um, appreciate Ewing might be a slightly different level of legend than, than Sham got at Providence, yeah. but there, there, there's a lot of red, I'll just say there's a lot, unfortunately a lot of similarities and red flags. Um, so just be wary there. That's all I'll yeah. say. Well, I thought the NIL thing was, was interesting because Sham does have his own shoe contract. Um, if, just maybe quickly just to cover, um, that angle. Cause that's one of the other rumors that I've been hearing is that, you know, Ed's a little frustrated with the schools, maybe commitment to money and, you know, coughing up for players. Um, this was the first real year of the NIL. To be honest, I didn't really understand it. Um, I, I went to the PJ Clark's event last Wednesday, which was right before, right, uh, right after I, well, last time we spoke. So I went to every year we have an annual fundraiser, the school hosts at PJ Clark's in Midtown right before the Big East tournament, the night before we play. The athletic director's there, you know, Father Sicard, who's the president of Providence College, the you know, all the whole athletic staff, Cooley's his coaching, all those guys are there. They're hanging out. Meanwhile, last year, Ed was like, looked like he was getting paid to be there. He wanted no part of it. This year, he, you know, and last year they were the one seed and they had a, you know, it was kind of a lot of expectations. This year he was all loosey goosey talking to people, taking pictures. So it was another breadcrumb. Is is this guy really out of here? Um, but the NIL stuff, I was talking to uh Dude, Chris Anron, awesome guy. He um, he played a PC after I left. So he was there from like 01 to 04. Big fella, Swede from, uh, you know, fr from Sweden, actually came over to the United States to play basketball, um, then played internationally. But he was on some of the Tim Welsh teams to 01 and 04 that made the tournament. So, and he was just, you know, giving me some, giving me some insight and awesome dude. Shout out to Chris. Um, it was really get, great to, to hang out with him. But um you know, we just talked about like kind of the current situation and I just talking to Chris and then like some of the athletic, you know, the associate athletic director that was there. These guys apparently are making like over a hundred grand a year, the kids on the team. And this is a real thing. So just asking around, like, how does that kind of happen? They all got like 5,000 bucks to go to an autograph signing. The whole team, they go for a couple hours, sign some autographs. They all get $5,000. We heard there's the way Providence leverages this, and I think this does can work differently, but there's a platform called Open Doors where you can basically have like almost like a menu of things that you'll participate in. So if you go to like Jared Bynum's page, Bynum, the point guard for Providence, you go to his page on Open Doors for $50, he'll, he'll put something on social media. For $150, he'll show up on a Zoom. For $350, he'll make an appearance somewhere. Then there's a section for ask, you know, pitch anything. And I think that's maybe where there's some some room for like these guys can make some money for things. And they all get 1099s. This is all above the table. This is all sanctioned. This is all legal. And it's it's just a whole new, whole new ballgame here in terms of how how this kind of operates. So you know, it, it, you could probably do it differently, sure, but I don't know. I, this is interesting for me to hear for the first time that these these people are actually making real money on right now. Yeah, I, I would say, like, again, you talk about those dollar amounts, but, like, University of Miami, you know, like, like it all comes down to your boosters, right, where those types of things that you're talking about, you're picking up, I don't want to, like, nickels and dimes, but yeah. Miami was trying to get um, someone out of the out of the transfer portal um, and they were able to offer him just $400,000, right? Like, again, mm -hmm. like a big booster 
from you know as an nil deal with his company um mm-hmm. can go offer four hundred thousand dollars um and then the player commits to miami right so it's a real thing i have no problem with players earning money they have every right to earn that money i you know i have no problem with it um but it is going to impact your ability to recruit and is your university best positioned to do so um those types of things that you're talking about are great having a booster that can come in and say well 100 grand and you just have to come to my company's picnic it's just yeah it's a different competitive landscape and i think we're all adapting to it and that's the reality maybe that is where maybe some of this might differ what's georgetown's endowment five billion four billion yeah i mean again in theory we have you know like there's definitely some high profile um, Georgetown alum. It, it seemed like Georgetown was going to go slow with the NIL because we go slow and certainly um, would be wary of breaking any rules. Um, but it, it did seem like last year in the transfer portal, Georgetown was making commitments to get a top five transfer class. And it seems like we would be better positioned to have a bigger NIL budget. Um, I'm not sure that makes it right. Um, but it could be, it wouldn't surprise me if that's part of Cooley's angle as well, where he's just grinding away in the transfer portal and there's guys that he misses on because he can't make a competitive NIL offer, um, at, at Providence. And so does he feel like his ceiling is capped? He made the sweet 16 and he made, did he look around and say, I can't do better than this. I, I want to go try somewhere where I could do better. But that, again, that's the last angle, um, that, that you can think of. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, more to come, obviously, there. Yeah. Hopefully, um, we'll see how quickly this unfolds. Um, why don't we why don't we get to the bracket actually? So yeah. I think we're probably like a half hour in anyway, right? So we can do maybe, you know, another uh or the second half of this pod. We'll we'll focus yeah. on the actual bracket. This is this is a great time of year. Uh a little salty in Providence land right now. But um we still have a game on Friday, which is totally badass. Like uh, it's exciting. Um, I have been very involved in the the Cooley saga. Lots going on here too. Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. You know the Knicks and Islanders. Everyone's kind of playing well right now. I have not opened and looked at this bracket, so I have a copy printed out. And I was thinking maybe uh, right now you can run it down for us. And I, I'm going to say yeah, these, these will be my picks. <laughs> for, do for you want to start with? Do you want to start with the Providence Kentucky matchup and just what it looks like, and then we can move to the rest of the bracket? Yeah, why don't we? Okay, so we'll do that. So we're we're starting. This is the East, the yeah. East re, e, Regional. Purdue's the one seed, and Providence lines up in the six eleven matchup. Where, like I said, a month ago we were seven sixteenth, seventeenth in the country. And now here we are at an eleven seed playing uh, a number six Kentucky seed who. I think this actually kind of fav- – like if you looked at where we were a month ago, granted we haven't been playing well, but to be in an 11 seed playing a Kentucky team, which I, I, I would imagine is beatable here, um, what do, what's your take on, on this game? Right now it's like a uh, yeah. Kentucky I think is favored by four. Yeah, it's been a weird season in Kentucky. So first of all, the, the obvious storyline for this matchup is, is Bryce Hopkins who transferred from Kentucky. And like he, he didn't say anything too negative, but definitely had words to say about not – being utilized properly at Kentucky and Ed Cooley kind of enabling him to open up his entire game draws Kentucky in, in the first round. Right. So that is definitely 
um, the, the big storyline. There's two things that are going to dictate this, this matchup. So for Kentucky on offense, look, it is not some super sophisticated offense, right? Like you can call it the John Calipari classic kind of dribble drive offense, but trust me, compared to what Providence has had to see with Marquette and Xavier and even UConn, this is not some elaborate tons of screens, backdoor cuts, motion. It's beat your man off the dribble, kick it out. They beat their man off the dribble. They kick it out. Someone beats their man off the dribble and they drive to the hoop, right? Like it's not rocket science. The thing is though, they are the second best offensive rebounding team in the country. Mm -hmm. It will literally come down to can Providence keep Oscar Shibway, last year's national player of the year off the glass, right? They're, they're, Kentucky's best offense is a missed shot and it's going to be on Croswell um, to, to keep him off the glass, to stay out of foul trouble, um, to do anything to get Shibway in foul trouble. Um, th that seems like from a Providence defense perspective, then that that's going to de decide the game for Providence's offense. What you've seen from Kentucky is that Shibway has pros, but he has cons in that he is a slower, bigger traditional center mm -hmm. And what you will see is if you put that man in ball screens and you constantly run pick and roll with him at the top of the key, you're going to generate looks, right? And you're going to generate looks from three. Um, you need to have a dynamic point guard who can make the right decision, right? When do you drive and dish? When do you mm -hmm. pull up? When do you um, bait that defender in? So on defense for Providence, it feels like, can you keep Shibwe off the glass? On offense, it's can you exploit him? Right. So I will say uh, Kentucky's two most recent losses were both to Vanderbilt. Okay. Vanderbilt is post, uh, coached by Jerry Stackhouse. They run a very NBA style, heavy pick and roll spacing offense. And Kentucky has not did not have an answer for it in either game. So that 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 seems like the plan of attack. And I think the reality is, to your point, it's really not the worst possible matchup you could get on the six line, like TCU is another six seed. I would much rather be facing Kentucky than TCU. So, so oh, it's yeah. not a bad, a, I mean, George, uh, Providence could never be lined up to face Creighton, but I think Creighton's a better six seed than Kentucky. So absent all of that, I would argue they got a good draw. I just can't pick Providence with all the stuff we spent the first half hour on. Right. I, I would say I if you ignored, if you ignored that stuff, and really looked at it, there's no reason to, to really argue that Kentucky is really that much better than Providence. I would argue they're very similar teams. I just, there, there's just too much noise around the program right now for me to naively think that they're just going to black it all out and play the type of Figure game they need to play to win. So again, the matchup sets up well, considering you're an 11, it's not a bad draw, but I, I would be, I will be picking Kentucky in my bracket. It's funny. It's like it's like it's the fact that the committee pitted them up against Kentucky seems like the only thing that could is like a lifeline to Providence right now because maybe you get that 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 Terminator version of Hopkins or like that that really yeah. motivated well, Hopkins. And that and a reminder, you're in the East, so again, notwithstanding surviving the first two rounds, if you make it, you're at the Garden. Yeah. Right. So again, that, that's the other, again, I, I know Providence fans can't think like that right now because you're just, you're, you're kind of going day to day here. Um, but that would, that would be the other nice thing I would say about this draw, all things considered is that you're in the East regional. So if you, if you find a way to pull off two upsets here, you, you, you'll take your chances at the garden.
All right. Well, I wrote down Kentucky also. So yeah. that's, that's how I feel. And like I said, man, my my dad lives three hours. Like this was this was like the the, the writing was on the wall for like another awesome weekend trip and get a bunch of games in. But um, you know, if Ed's not committed, I, I can't do it. Um, what else do you see in the East? Uh, the two seed yeah. is Marquette. You got um, Duke is in this bracket. What, what else are you thinking? Yeah, so to me, it's it's that of the four one seeds, I think there are two that establish themselves as really kind of dominant, and they're in other regions, but it, I would say it's, it's Houston and Alabama. Mm-hmm. And then there's two one seeds that that look vulnerable right now, and that and that's Kansas and and Purdue. Um, Purdue has struggled in March, you know, losing to St. Peter's last year losing to UVA in that wild game to go, you know, in the elite eight um, pro, uh, per, Purdue has tournament issues. And the reality is, is it's not a super great draw for them in that the, the eight, nine game, the, is that that's a Memphis FAU. Do I have that yeah. right? Yep. Um, I argue that game's a coin flip, but the winner of that game is going to give Providence us is going to give Purdue a run for their money. Um, I would not be surprised to see Purdue, be the first one seed out. I would not be surprised to see Memphis with their athletic bigs be a problem for Zach Eady, the national player of the year for Purdue. And it wouldn't be crazy to see uh, the one seed not make the sweet 16 out of this region. The other storyline I think is Duke is on an eight or nine game winning streak, right? They, they've caught a heater. Um, Oral sure. Roberts is a frisky 12, right? Or yeah. if you remember, uh, two years ago, Oral Roberts as a 15 seed um, made the Sweet 16. Right? Yeah. They beat Ohio State in, in the 15-2. And some people would argue that this team is better than that team. Um, so I do think Oral Roberts is, is a dangerous 5-12. If Duke can survive that, I think the path is there for Duke to make it to the Elite Eight. They're playing elite defense right now. Um, and in the tournament, when all else fails, pick defense. And then I actually think Marquette, again, I, I, I always try to buffer myself against potential Big East bias. I, I think Marquette winning the Big East regular season, winning the Big East tournament, potentially going back to the Garden. That is, I, I was there that semifinals night. That is a connected, deep, fun basketball team. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they would be my pick to make the Final Four. Wow. Okay. And you got the experience from Shaka. He's, he's, he's yeah. been down this road. He's been in the final four before. Uh, okay. So you like Marquette coming out of the East. Yeah. Okay. Um, Tennessee always highly ranked. I think look out for them. They've had major struggle. Barnes, whole career has been a, a struggle in March. Yeah. Like if, if you can't make the sweet 16 with Kevin Durant, uh, you have, no place <laughs> I, I know. You have, and, and, the, and the other thing to note there is uh, their starting point guard, uh, Zakai Ziegler tore his ACL in the SEC finale. Um, so that's a huge loss for them to lose your kind of heart and soul playmaker. Look, can they survive um, Louisiana? Yeah. Maybe. Um, yeah. But I, I'm not, I am not going to pick Rick Barnes to go very far in my bracket. Uh, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me fifteen times. You know, you gotta, yeah. you gotta, you gotta make decisions. You know, it's funny when when you um, you brought up Durant. Let's let's bounce over to the South region, where Alabama is the one seed. Um, now, now to be fair, I have not watched a ton of non Big East basketball this year. 
but I did catch a fair amount of the end of that Bama game where Brandon Miller went off for 41. And to me, he like I get some Durant Texas vibes from this this Alabama team. They're a one seed. You've got the the, the a kid who's an absolute beast. Um, does the does the murder <laughs> him being a murder uh, accessory? Does that hang over this? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess no, but I don't know how much legs that really has. But 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 how, how, what's your thoughts on Bama? in like just that South region. Yeah, look, it's, it's obviously a terrible story. Um, I am not a legal expert. We're not, we're, that is not the, <laughs> yeah. the goal of this podcast. Um, and I don't want to say anything um, that ends up being inaccurate. It's obviously a bad situation. Um, they've been dealing with it for the last couple of weeks and it has not affected them. Right. So I, I don't know why it would suddenly start to affect them now. And the reality is Alabama and I think in Houston have really differentiated themselves as kind of elite, consistent teams. And Alabama plays at a fast pace, but they play really good defense. And then Brandon Miller, 6'9", um, shooting over 40% from three. So to your point, the Durant comparisons aren't, aren't uh, off. And also kind of showing himself to be a playmaker, right? He was making some beautiful cross-court passes yeah. for corner threes, like an actual playmaker that you can run your offense around. I do think that region is probably the easiest region. I, and we can go through the other matchups. I think it just sets up – they were they, they were picked as the committee's top one seed, um, and, and it really sets right. up nicely for them to, to kind of go to the final four. Okay, so you like Bama surviving yeah. the whole – Miller distraction because it really hasn't been at this point and bar- barring him actually getting arrested. Um, you like Bama cruising through the region. Yeah. Again, it just, the, 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 I mean, we can go through some of the other matchups, yeah. but I, I didn't see too many potholes. Arizona's the two in that region. Do I have that right? Arizona. Yep. Arizona, Princeton. Yep. Yeah. So again, Ar- Arizona um, survived UCLA in the PAC 10 tournament, but UCLA um had their best defender uh, tear his Achilles and is out for the year. I'm not sure um, that that's the the best omen, even though they happen to win that conference tournament. Kirk Klisa, who's their point guard, has a shoulder injury. Um, so again, it's just something to, to keep an eye on. They're not at full strength. Um, so again, a, a solid two, a well-deserved uh, two seed. Um, but, but again, running into Bama potentially just, I don't, I don't see them doing it. Yeah, then you got um Baylor's the three, Virginia's the four. I feel like the the Maryland West Virginia game is, might be a little frisky. Yeah, Maryland Virginia is fun. The the thing I'll say there is Maryland this year has been a completely different team away from home. They okay. have a very good home record, but they have not really been able to show much on the road. Um, so I would lean West Virginia there, and I will say though those four and uh, five teams look prone to for upsets, right? I, I think UVA, believe it or not, against Furman, that is not a good matchup for, for UVA. Um, if you wanted to pick the biggest upset of this tournament, I think UVA might actually be like the second game of the day on Thursday. It would not surprise me in the slightest to see Furman beat UVA. I think that is also a four-point spread. So again, you talked about Kentucky-Providence in that oh, range. Wow. Furman-UVA is in that range. Um College of Charleston has also been a trendy 12-5 pick. It would not surprise me to see 
a double digit seed waiting for Alabama in the sweet 16 to come out of that little kind of mini pod. Mm -hmm. Um, Those teams look vulnerable. Furman and college of Charleston are both dangerous teams that shoot the three really well, which is what you need to be able to do to pull an upset UVA playing at a super slow pace leaves themselves vulnerable to a a few missed shots here and a few missed shots there. Virginia's um, one of their starting forwards. um, I believe his name's Ben Vanderplas. He got hurt. He's out for the year. Um, so, so Furman is a very live dog as a 13. Is this the year for Greg McDermott and Creighton <laughs> as the sixth seed in on the Zona side of it? They had a good yeah, run last year. They had a good run last year. Yeah, it's interesting, right? I think we always knew Creighton was going to be a difficult team to seed because they did have that six-game losing streak in the middle of the season. But Ryan Kalkbrenner missed, I believe, at least three or four of those games, right? So it seems like they got overly penalized for that um downturn um when when they are a dangerous team right like they were a preseason top 10 team um there's actually some interesting studies that kind of say that the preseason poll is more predictive than the end of season poll for your brackets believe it or not so um Creighton has that profile I don't know what to make of the big 12 teams right they all just beat the because Creighton would in theory run into Baylor in that three six um Mm -hmm they just all beat the crap out of each other, right? Like, I don't know what to make out of Iowa State had lost four or five straight games and then beat Baylor in the last game of the regular season and in the Big 12 tournament. So I, yeah. I just don't know what to make of those teams. I, I don't think it would be wild to suggest that Creighton could get um, past Baylor and make the Sweet 16. All right. What about um... – Okay, so that's the so you have so now this is one half of the bracket. You've got Bama yeah. and Marquette coming out of those two. And now let's yeah. go to the uh the the West and the Midwest. We'll start in the we'll start in the Midwest. And you've got Houston as the number one, the Houston Cougars. Uh interesting, right? You got a, a, f- a few big names. This is Texas is in here, Xavier, Indiana, Miami. Those are your top five. Yeah. So Houston is a really good team. If you want to see someone play just smothering defense, um, they are relentless. I talked about Kentucky being the second best offensive rebounding team in the, in the country. That's because Houston's the, the best team in the, mm-hmm. in the country from an offensive rebounding perspective. The thing that's kind of hanging over Houston right now is Marcus Sasser, um, their lead guard um, suffered a groin injury um, did not play in the American um, conference tournament championship and they got smoked. Um, by Memphis. In Memphis. Um, now Memphis, obviously, yeah, Memphis was playing for for a little bit more than than Houston was at that point, just in terms of seeding. Now, I still think the reality is Houston could survive their first and second round games with or without Sasser. And now you buy him an extra week to get healthy. If Sasser's healthy, that they are my, they would be my pick out of that region. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see anyone being able to just play with their level of of tenacity. Um, they made the Elite Eight last year. They they you know. They are an analytical darling, um, and they are just a physical, deep team. Um, I believe his name is Jarris Walker, a potential breakout player, potential lottery pick for Houston. Um, So, again, it's going to come down to health there, but I think they could probably survive opening weekend even without Sasser, and then that sets them up for success. You're not scared of that whoever comes out of that Iowa-Auburn game? No, no. as much as I said, we're, we're, I'm done uh, picking uh, Rick Barnes teams. I'm definitely done picking Fran McCaffrey, uh, Iowa teams. Yeah. Um, I was at the game again, last year just, where they lost to Richmond. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, they I'm, had I'm, Keegan I'm Murray was on that team. Well, and they lost with Luca Garza the you know prior in pri- uh, prior years as well, right? That was a two yeah. seed that didn't make it to the Sweet Sixteen. Uh, they just don't play defense. I'll pick Auburn to win that game, yeah. but Auburn also really kind of hasn't found their footing. So I, I'm not I'm not super worried about um, super worried about the, the that eight nine. I liked um, Miami is interesting, right? Because they had a it's been a down year for the ACC, but. They were frisky last year. They've been good the last few years. They're in a. I can't see them getting beat by Drake, but or or can you? Like, what, what's your yeah? Long, I mean, like those, those, long... Drake is a very well coached team. If you run, if you watch their offense, um, their best player, um, Tucker DeVries, uh, coach's son, uh, long range bomber. Um, I I think, like, I'll say Miami survives, but again. I, I think that is going to probably be a closer game. Those five twelves are always okay. a little bit dangerous. I feel like Indiana should be fine, but again, I, I'm just I can't get there on any of them actually giving Houston a threat if Houston's okay. healthy. All right, um, Texas, they seem okay. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and 12, like, right. Well, it's it's funny because if Texas was in a region where either Kansas or Purdue were the one seeds, yeah. I would have Texas in the final four. Okay. Um, I think they are a really strong team. Again, interim head coach, Chris Beard dismissed uh, during the season, Rodney Terry interim head coach takes over. They've been on a run. They've got a ton of talent. It's all coming together. I think Texas versus Houston is a heavyweight elite eight matchup. Um, And you could go either way on that pick. And I don't think anyone would call you crazy. And again, I think they would be a consensus. Like if Texas and Marquette were flipped, I think Texas would be a consensus Final Four team. It is a tough draw, but that would be one of the games of the tournament. What do we think about uh, Xavier? He is another Big East team, the other Big East team, the only Big East team in this in this bracket in this um, region. Xavier's a three seed. Kennesaw State in their first matchup, and then the winner of Iowa State, and then the Mississippi Pitt playing, which is tonight, right? Yeah, uh, Pitt won last night. Okay. So it, yep. it will be pay. Look, I, I like that Xavier team. Um, a little wary of getting blown out of the, blown off the court by Marquette. And I think, I think the reality is some of those, again, I, we've, we talked about the big East, those teams were somewhat built more on offense than defense. And I think what you've seen is that if they have a cold shooting night, um, they, they could be vulnerable, not necessarily to Kennesaw state. Um, and again, Iowa state versus Pitt. Again, I'm struggling to get a good read on the Big 12. I, have no, I, I, I would put Xavier through to the Sweet 16, but I'm not ready to put them as a viable threat to, to Texas. All right. Any more thoughts on the Midwest, or you want to hop over to the West? No, let's hop over. All right. West, Kansas, the one seed. The top five here are Kansas, UCLA, you, uh, this is Gonzaga, UConn. So, th- so there's some marquee teams here, and you got yeah. our boy Rick Pitino is the uh, the 13 at Iona. Yeah, a potential uh, Big East coaching preview for next year with Rick Pitino against uh, Hurley and UConn yeah. again. TBD on which school? That that's a super fun matchup. I will say UConn continues to be an analytical darling, right? Like again, last year when we talked about Ken Palm and. T rank and all of those sites, they still have UConn as a top five team. UConn is actually one of the betting favorites. Um, they are probably the betting favorite to get out of this region. I will say this I'm done picking UConn, right? I made that joke <laughs> last week 
where against my better judgment, I picked UConn to win the Big East tournament. And the reality is under Danny Hurley, now granted they made the Big East semis three years in a row. They have not even made the Big East finals and they have not won an NCAA tournament game. I'll say they beat Iona, um, but I am not ready to buy them on some sort of final four national championship run. Sure, they have that potential when they're playing well, but I think you even saw it in that Providence game where they almost blew a 20-point lead, right? Like they they can turn it on, they can turn it on and they can turn it off. Um, And again, that leaves you vulnerable. And you watched that game in person last year, right, where they lost in the 5-12. Yeah. Sometimes their offense just grinds to a halt and it looks like it just becomes one-on-one ball and they stop sharing it um, and they break down. So look, I think I can put them past Iona, although I wouldn't bet against Rick Pitino and um, I'll put them past Iona, but I'm not dying to put them much further. I would say the team to me, that's actually a little, look, I don't think anyone's ever going to call a three seed sneaky, but I like Gonzaga. Um, in this region kind of a break for them to not be a number one seed you know undefeated season will they you know you know will they or won't they that Gonzaga kind of wears that weight in years past but they've been low-key kind of cruising on offense just crushing people St. Mary's which was you know a top 20 defense had nothing for them um, in the last two games of the year the regular season finale as well as the conference tournament I think that team's peaking at the right time I think UCLA is a little bit vulnerable with the injuries. Um, Kansas, it's it's unclear if Bill Self's going to coach. Um, sounds like he had yeah. a, a a blocked artery, a blocked artery, and again, he had a stand hope, put it. He had a stand put in last week. Yeah, yeah. Hope uh, hope Coach Self is okay. But you want to talk about distractions? Not great. Not knowing who your coach is going to be. Um, so I, I, I look. I it wouldn't surprise me to see people put UConn in the Final Four. Um, I will not. Um, I will put Gonzaga in the Final Four. Okay. The uh, and UCLA too. A lot of like you mentioned the Achilles. Another guy got hurt for them also, right? Yeah, one of the big starters. Guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we had a random bet betting game with uh, my province buddies. We bet on UCLA over Colorado, and they made us sweat that out. So <laughs> I'm down on UCLA. The injuries. So uh, so you've got a Bama Marquette. Houston Gonzaga Final Four. Do I have that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then who do you like? Um, yeah. Again, the... it just feels like Bam. I'm I'm gonna say Bam and Houston are on a collision course. Um, okay. Appreciate that it's a little cliche to go with the you know the two consensus one seeds, but again, I will say this year has been chock full of upsets. But those two teams have differentiated themselves um, from the from the rest of the pack, and. Uh, I am going to pick Houston to win the national championship. All right. I think so will I, now that I'm uh, on the, under the yeah. gun to get this bracket in. Um, so, so, so hopefully they make it past the first weekend in the event yeah. that we do another. Podcast. Houston is the champs. Okay. And it's in Houston. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, just, you know, maybe a closing thought here as we, uh, we wrap up the, um, UConn, uh, UConn Iona, they would get the winner of St. Mary's VCU VCU. A10 regular season and tournament champs. I went in person to the A10 semifinal game, Dayton versus my my side piece, the Fordham Rams. I, I uh, it was an awesome game. It was a really entertaining basketball game. I was surprised. Like um, I, I've seen some of the games like Fordham George Mason, 
Fordham Duquesne. Some of those could be a little painful watching on the weeknight. But in the Barclays, it was like an 80-20 Fordham-dominated crowd. Fordham people turned out. It was it was awesome to see, man. They were loud. People were, were like really, really into the game. It was the best crowd I've ever seen at Barclays. And I'm talking about having Islanders season tickets when they were there. You know, Islanders at Barclays never really worked. And I've I've been to numerous Nets games. I think I've been to like three Net playoff games, actually. Uh, shout out to Hammer out there. Dougal is a – my boy is a diehard Nets fan. I, I usually go with him. And I've never seen a crowd that live at Barclays for basketball. So it, it was kind of cool to see. You know, I've been, you know, married to the Big East forever – in the gardens always is always it is always something on a different level but to, but to but to go see the a really lit Barclays cloud for an A10 semifinal game it was really cool to see you know I was like um ergo coach of the year uh you know it came to, the game was a little closer than the, the final score but uh it was really like a one possession game with like you know 3 minutes left um so shout out to Fordham for for a good season the uh VCU won up beating Dayton on the next day so I don't know. Maybe maybe uh, VCU can uh, in, in that 12, 12 spot against St. Mary's. Maybe uh, maybe I'll take a, I'll take VCU there to show show a little A ten love. Yeah, like I'll say VCU is a live dog again. St. Mary's plays that kind of slow, methodical pace. That if you're looking for upsets, it's those good teams that actually slow the pace down that actually leave themselves more vulnerable. Just because again, if a game has more possessions, in theory, the better team has more opportunities to show themselves, but some of these teams intentionally slow it down. Like we talked about UVA, St. Mary's is kind of in that same mold. I will say Fordham, uh, you you mentioned coach of the year. They gave him, uh, I think they tacked on a few years to his contract, but again, I think Keith Ergo is a name for the coaching carousel for future years to, um, to keep in mind. Cause I I don't think Fordham is going to be able to, I mean, it's great that he's building up that program. I I don't think he's going to stay there for long if he continues on this trajectory um, he will have definitely earned um, bigger and, and better platforms, but it is great to see what he's doing there. The other thing that I saw was, I believe it was the Fordham AD when it, they, he heard that it was $20 a ticket for student tickets to go down to the Barclays agreed to fund half of it yeah, um, and, and cut those tickets down to $10 so that all of the students um, could make their way down. I think that contributed to your um, environment and, and look, VCU has history of making a run Um Regardless of who the coach is, VCU wins. Um, it, they're a live dog as a 12 seed. Yeah. Russ, always a pleasure, yeah. my friends. Uh, we'll, maybe next week if uh, the Friars are still kicking around or well, if nothing else, we'll have to get you back to discuss um, any sort of major coaching changes between the Hoyas and the Friars. Yeah, I think I think either way, again, rooting for Providence. Again, I, I do believe in Biggie's solidarity this time of year notwithstanding what my university is potentially doing. Um, but yeah, we should absolutely uh, chop it up next week, depending on where the coaches all land. Yeah. All right, man. Well, until uh, next week then, man. All right. Thank you. Daniela, you said all those things I wouldn't have dared. As I hold on